With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor. Here are your hosts, pediatrician Dr. Scott Cohen and comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. Welcome to Daddy vs. Doctor, Sebastian Maniscalco here with Dr. Scott Cohen, getting into slang terms today. If you got teenagers out there that are coming home and you don't understand a word they're saying, maybe we could help you out today by dissecting some of the vocabulary that's being used. Who comes up with them? My guess, this is my guess, is the black community okay. comes up with these terms, right? Generally speaking. Know. Here you get you get nervous already. I said black. No, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> like my trainer, right. he uses the word. He, I I would say, okay, we're gonna do nine o'clock tomorrow. He goes, okay, bet. Okay, so I was like, bet, bet. Mm. I never heard. I never heard that before. Right. And I asked him, I go, what's bet? He mm. goes, it's like, no problem. Okay, I got it. You know, bet. Yeah. But I used one on him the other day. Yeah. And I go, this guy, he's a drip. He goes, what's drip? I said, like a, you know, like a, a dud. Oh, you know? is goes, that a real one or you just made that up? Drip? You to catch that on. Yeah. No, I've, I've been using drip since. Because uh, you know how kids use drip now. It's cool outfits. Oh. Have, you, have you checked out my drip? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that see, that's see. I thought you were just giving it multiple. No, I'd like uh, drip was established oh. years ago as a dud. Oh, in the, as in the a drip backwoods of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, in the northwest suburbs of <laughs> Illinois. This one's a big one. Okay. I hear this a lot. Uh, Sus. Suss it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not like a kid vibe. Like suspicious. It's like sus. Oh, he's acting sus. No, 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 no. I thought I use it as yeah. we're gonna. Oh, we got a problem here with the cameras. We'll suss it out. Oh, meaning we'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. This is. Oh, he's sus. Yeah, he's like shady. Sus. I, I don't like. That's oh. so sus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe. Yeah. And again. I think a lot of this has been either stolen from the black community, mm -hmm. incorporated into, quote unquote, like white world, right? Where all these like white kids are walking around trying to be cool by using some of the terminology that the cool black people come I'm up with, that? right? Again, oh. you can't even add to this. Because I don't even, even know, know what to say. I don't even know. I mean, You're just, basically saying it's like Ebonics. Yeah, it is a, I think a lot of the stuff that white kids are using today is filtered through Copying. the black community. But the way the black community does it, it's cool. If you got a teenager who's 15 going, he's soft. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's not like her. It don't sound right, you know. Bet. You got a bet on there? No, it's yeah, bet. Did you use that one? 
I'm just kidding. That's the one he just used. An expression of agreement or confirmation is exactly what you said about the trainer. Okay. There it is. Bet. Yeet. Yeet. Y-E-E-T. How come it sounds different when we say it? Well, it sounds like... Yeah. What does it mean? Losing a sentence. All right. He yeeted the ball across the field. Chuck. You're going to shuck it. toss. Nobody's using yeet. Tough. Uh, tough, vicious, tight, sick. Yeah, which is what tough really means. It's not even its slang. <laughs> cool, attractive, or impressive. That new bike is tough. All right, five. Uh, I'm not uh, feeling that at all. Well, here, I have drip. Do you have any words that you use that are kind of like slang? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think like when I text, like what what words I use. No, I use like the letter U instead of Y O U R instead. Yeah, of so A-R-E. you're not using. I'm like... not using like things like simp. You know, simp. No, he's always simping for her. Attentive or infatuated with someone. Simp. I haven't I haven't heard that one. I'm trying to think of ones that I've heard in my house. Lit. I've heard lit. The party was lit. Yeah, I heard that. Or yeah. you know, fire, which is. Maybe that's out of date, but that's another. Do you know what we used to call girls? What? When we were teenagers, we were going to go to the dance club. Yeah. We'd go, let's go pick up some broccoli tonight. You call them broccoli? (laughs) I think that was only you. (laughs) This is the Italian-Greek community. 1989. Let's go pick up some broccoli. Why? Because they're like grouped together? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, they're in bunches at the dance club. Let's go pick up some broccoli. (laughs) I've never heard that. I think. Anybody outside your circle ever use that? I've never heard it. Until I got to... L.A., a friend of mine who's Italian, would say broccoli. I go, you use broccoli too? Yeah, no, nah, use broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> or brajol. Let's go get some brajol. You know, it's, it's, it's like tightly wrapped meat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, unwoke. <laughs> unwoke times in 89. Referring to nothing. women as, as broccoli. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to be upset about that. <laughs> Bussin. Something's really good. It's bussin. It's, it's not landing. I, I I need to hear it. I-Y-K-Y-K, if I gave you that abbreviation. I-Y-K-Y-K. I'm going to start using that one with you. I know. Is if you it... know, you know. I like that one. If you know, you know. I-Y-K. I already forgot the acronym. <laughs> it, if you know. What about the one they, they um... no, God. Wasn't it something like FOMO or FOMO? Yeah, missing out. Yeah, but there's there was another one. Oh no! We need need our listeners to send in their favorite slang, slang, slang terms and abbreviations used on. What do you write when you write text? You do you do any like abbreviations? No, I don't. I don't use TMI, TMY. I don't use any of those. The one I see a lot: LMAO. Laugh my ass off, right? That's what it is? Yeah. But I've never said, I've never even said that. Like, it's like, oh, that's funny. You would never say I laughed my ass off. That became like, it's a longer acronym than what I would usually use speaking. I've never, I'd say, I don't know, in the last, eh, I maybe once have laughed my ass off once in the last 15 years. 
When was that? I was I was watching Giannis Pappas special. Uh-huh. And he had a couple lines in there that I fell off the couch laughing my ass off. Where I couldn't like it was such a good laugh. I mean, I've laughed. yourself, LMAO. <laughs> I've laughed, but not like, not quite that, like that. Oh, it was like flow. Come on. You're you back on know. flow. Uh, flow Joe. She was a track and field star by the way we were talking about views here you know i we we we, uh we put some clips up of the show right and the one that got a little little heat not much was the one that i if i asked you if you were married to a jewish woman would you celebrate christmas Christmas, right Right. we had a guy on the show and i don't know if i mentioned this before again my memory's going with one leg right ezra freck Nobody saw it. I know. The guy's amazing. One leg. I watch him now every day. But in retrospect, you know what we should have done? You didn't see that he didn't, had one leg. If he got up here right, right, and had the, had the thing to show the people what he was dealing with, right. it would have set the context. Or taken off the thing and put it on the fucking table. Right. We would have got Or gone to a track and we should have raced him. Oh God, I I can't race for shit. When's the last time you sprinted at full speed? Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like I would I would go so fast I'd fall over. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know when you get to that speed where like you like as an adult, the only way to stop is just let your body fall to the ground. Yeah. I no. feel like that's where I am in life. I don't think I've I don't think I've. I feel like I'm very fast. I think once I get. I and I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I'm going to. Yeah. Two things I'm going to toot my own horn. Mm. Number one is when I was in high school, yeah. I was extremely fast on the right wing. I used to be a right winger in soccer. Oh yeah, then you got to be fast. And they used to That's lob right. me the ball, and I got to tell you, my speed, although unorthodox, mm-hmm. <laughs> was really good. But I want to take you back to two days ago. All right. That, Play- that far ago. <laughs> that long ago. Played pickleball. Oh, okay. With uh, three other couples. And we were playing pickleball with two guys that are pros. And pro they, pickleball. Pro pickleball I still, I, that, I just still don't get that. But anyways, go on. And they were very adamant about them being pros, that they led with that. Hey, hi, my name is so-and-so. Special gear? Like, what were they wearing? Could you tell? I looked more of like a pro than they did as far as the dress was concerned. Okay. They looked very nondescript. Got it. And they led by saying, we're top 50 in the world. Wow. He's 40, I'm 30. Did they used to play tennis? Yes. Okay. So, I have really no mobility which is perfect for pickleball doubles. Right. And yeah, you I'm, just deflect. I, I'm dropping. I got I got this slice that's really hard to return. I, I'm doing really good. And we're playing against the couples. Now, we play against the pros. I got one pro. The pro's on the other side with another guy. <sighs> this guy couldn't return my shit. And he's pro. The pro. Yeah. 
And I told Lana, I said, you give us six months, we could turn pro. You could. <laughs> A totally different career path. <laughs> and this guy told me that the top pickleball player, you know what he makes a year? Just take a guess. Pickleball? Top, top pickleball. Uh, $500,000. $10 million. And pickleball? $10 million. There's money to be made in pickleball. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going after it. Wow. So what's special about your serve? <sighs> Obviously, it's underhand. But when I come on it, I give it a spin. So when it comes over the net, it literally drops. That's. <laughs> I mean, I think this is. I want to play you in pickleball now. I got. I got. I put the pickleball courts in. We oh, have. You did? We have two. So we are going to start tournaments here. Like okay. you know, couples come over, right. have a little margarita and whatnot. Yeah, and you play pickleball. But I got to tell you right now, and this is with sciatic pain ripping down my left leg. Once I get better, <laughs> that's it. Be and you understand the whole thing—the kitchen, the everything. I understand the game. I know the scoring. I'm well aware. The only weakness we have right now is Lana. And I'll tell you why. It's 50% of your team. I'll tell you yeah. why. She's a tennis player, and she's still playing tennis. Right. And as soon as she adjusts to pickleball, it's over. It's over. No, and I heard that because as a tennis player, you want to hit hard in the back, but mm -hmm. the whole point is to get up close and little dinky shots, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Which doesn't still make sense to me, but I, I get it. Yeah, we uh, we had a great time playing. So I mean, and now we're gonna get the kids involved. I think uh, get get them involved. I I think I'm gonna get a ping pong table this year mm -hmm. and a foosball table. Yeah. I uh, I went to Utah, played foosball. And again, foosball and ping pong are my games. Foosball, did you play in college? Like every fraternity had like a foosball table. I played when I was eight. I had a foosball table in the basement. You don't do you no know, spinning. You got to, right? No. The proper way of foosball. We'll if play, you play you pass me, it? If you, yeah. Oh, my God. What do you mean, oh, my God? No, I mean, you got to be expert foosball to be passing to your different lines. Most people are just spinning. The no, thing. no, no, no. My game is controlled. Uh -huh. It's precise. It's intentional. You have the one where the the front line, you you go to the right like that real quick. Yeah, the wrist yeah. action I got is amazing. <laughs> so we should play. I like ping pong. Ping you got, you're going to do an outdoor, outdoor set? Outdoor ping pong, outdoor foosball. Right. That's one like of the that. things that we want to get this year. I need a pool table, though. That's I, how like I, I think a pool table is overrated. See, I grew up playing pool. I love pool. It's very cathartic for really? me. I love it. That's what we just played when we were back east. My father-in-law's pool table. I love it. Aubrey plays. Lexi plays. It's fun. That's just that pool's an antiquated game. I think a lot of people... Don't have the patience for it. So well, it's just because you can't just pick it up like pickleball. <laughs> My mystery diagnosis. We'll have to add these to the shows. Did I, I told you a little bit about Aubrey before vacation mm -hmm. about her, her health scare. It's a very interesting case. So she she was complaining of a of she said cramping. She had had her period and it started like day two of her period. It was a Saturday and just cramping pain. So that's what we thought it was. Motrin, warm packs, things like that. And then she had a soccer game Monday and uh, five o'clock and we're at the soccer game and we see her sitting on the bench and 
you know, didn't think anything of it. And the coach was really nice at halftime, came up to us and said, hey, I just want to let you know, Aubrey was supposed to start, but she warmed up and then she came over hysterically crying that she was in a lot of pain, which is not like her. She's a pretty stoic kid. And so we've asked her if she wants to go in and she says she doesn't feel good. So we said, no, thanks for telling us. So I went over to the bench. I said, you okay? She's like, yeah, just I just took some motion. My cramps are really hurting me. I'm going to sit. I said, okay. And that's not like her also not to want to try. She must have been in a lot of pain. So that night we got home and she just didn't look right. Her coloring was off. She was complaining. I examined her and her belly pain was sort of all over the place. It wasn't one specific spot. You think about belly pain in kids, you just always worry about the appendix, which is the right lower side, but it can start in the middle and move that way. So I was feeling, and it wasn't any place specific. It was sort of all over. She said, all right, let's see how the night goes and uh, gave her Motrin, warm pack, and she slept. And, and the next morning I went to work and said, if, if she's not feeling well, just come to the office. So she skipped school. She came to the office and now her pain was even worse. And now it was the right lower side. So now we were really worried that she had an appendicitis. We checked the CBC in the office, which is like your white blood cell count, which was actually normal, but the types of cells were more the types of cells you see with a bacterial infection. Um, and then we checked her urine to make sure she wasn't having a urinary tract infection. She said it, she had some pain when she urinated a couple times. Her urine looked okay. One second on the urine. Yeah. When you do an analysis on urine, yeah. do you take a drop of the urine mm -hmm. and put it under a um, microscope or yeah. do you run it through a machine? Both. So it's a, it's a strip and the strip tests for a bunch of things. It tests for signs of inflammation, which are called leukocytes and nitrites on blood. And it looks for kidney issues, which is protein. It looks at for sugar. It looks for your specific gravity. So you you dip the the strip in the urine or you drip the urine on the strip and you put it in a machine and it reads it for you. You also can just look at the strip because each thing changes color and you can just match the color to how much is in there. When I get a urine sample. Right taken right they say there's like a line there okay. fill, fill it up to the line right you need I've, like drops you don't need a why are cup. we why are we have you ever used the entire sample of urine going no. fuck them out of urine no i i <laughs> no i i remember going to my pediatrician and walking down the hall and the urine like spilling out of the cup no i mean you literally need i could drop and do eight drops of urine and yeah. get my thing but you need more not a full cup. You need a little more if you're going to send it for like a urinary tract infection to the lab where they run it on a plate. So you need more sample. Do you need a full cup? No. So generally speaking, the urine that you're providing is far more than oh, you're they, dumping they, most they, of it. They yeah. need. Okay. Yeah, they're dumping most of it. Okay. So I'm sorry. So anyway, so the next step to rule out an appendicitis is an ultrasound. You know, so they do an ultrasound. The problem with the ultrasound, even though it's the standard of care for appendicitis, most places can't visualize the appendix on the ultrasound and then you're stuck with a clinical exam or you have to do a CT scan. So you can't just get ultrasounds. You know, you just can't call and get an ultrasound. The Really the only place to get it immediately is the emergency department. So I was fortunate at Cedars, the person that was uh, running the emergency room that, that afternoon is somebody who I actually take care of his kids and I have a relationship with. I worked at Children's Hospital Los Angeles with them. So he said, Scott, send Aubrey over and I'll check her in and we'll get the ultrasound. So the ultrasound 
didn't show any signs of an appendicitis. They looked for signs of inflammation and fluid, but it also didn't visualize the appendix, which sort of leaves you, uh, I don't know. And then we had the surgeon who finally, who makes the call, come down and examine her. And at that time she was feeling a little better. So they said, listen, I think you could just monitor it. Just see, see what happens. But that's not definitive. And if it doesn't get better in the next couple of days, you're going to be back in the emergency department. So the only definitive thing was a CT scan. So we did a CT scan. And what ended up that she had, thankfully, because an appendicitis, the only way to fix it is you go to surgery. And I was, if you had asked me that afternoon, I was expecting to stay there and get surgery. She had something called mesenteric adenitis. Have you ever heard that term before? No. no. So mesenteric adenitis is actually just inflammation of the lymph nodes in your intestines, and it's caused by a virus, but it mimics an appendicitis. It gives you just as severe belly pain, often the right lower quadrant is that, but because it's a virus, there's no treatment. And we actually did a respiratory viral panel on her, and she had a virus that causes the common cold, enterovirus or rhinovirus, two different viruses. The, the test can't distinguish between the two. And her sister, my, Lexi, the day before had cold symptoms. So in Lexi, it manifested as a cold. In Aubrey, it manifested as this thing called mesenteric adenitis. So it took a couple days, Motrin, she rested, and then it got better. But it was really, really a scary experience because we thought we were going to surgery that night. You bring up a couple points in your story that I want to touch upon, and it's reflective in my own mother's experience at the hospital. Yeah, She went to the emergency room. First of all, she went to urgent care. She was having some stomach issues, yeah. right? Went to urgent care. By the way, urgent care doesn't even sound like you're going to get any care at all. <laughs> or that it's urgent. Yeah. I feel like you go to an urgent care, it's like doctors who couldn't make it in hospitals yeah or they failed and they got like C's. So they go, just go to the urgent care. So she's going to urgent care. They sent her to the emergency room or the, yeah, the, the hospital, right? Now I haven't been in an emergency room, knock on wood, but my sister was there with my mother. They said it was like a nightclub yeah. in the emergency room. I would say more like a war zone. That too. I mean, like once they got in there, they're mopping up you know, blood from the whatever came in. And my sister couldn't go in with my mother into the emergency room. Yeah. But I feel when a lot of these people, a lot of these people are using the emergency room as their primary care physician, sure. right? Yeah. They, they get a cough, they go to the yeah. emergency no, room, right? They'd rather wait six hours to be seen by somebody to tell them the cough is because they don't have primary care physicians. You're okay. right. So they're, they're over flooding the hospital right. for what I believe not are true emergencies. That, yeah. 100%. Let's just not call it the emergency room anymore. Let's just call it a general facility where you come in and they they're going to tell you take two Tylenol and go to bed, right? So, and can you tell me why at the emergency room, People are coming with seven family members. Well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> right. Well, they limited now, but you're right. I mean, packed. it's it's packed. It, it was packed. I mean, there were people not in just rooms. There were people, like you said, on gurneys in the hallways. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. And and you're right. We need to do better. You know, the whole point with the emergency room, everything's triage, right? So your your true emergencies, the gunshot wounds, the car accidents, they're going to bypass right past the general population that's there just to see a doctor. And that's why wait times are, are long. But to your point, I mean, 
it was an interesting discussion with me and my daughter. Here I am. I know everybody there. I know the person running the show in the emergency room. I personally called the surgeon. I personally called the radiologist. I'm helping run the orders and things like that. And we were there over six hours. Yeah. Right. So imagine if I didn't know anybody. Oh, we would have been there all day for the, probably the same result. And and it's a hard thing with medicine because it is difficult. It it it's why people are get upset. You know, why aren't I getting care right now? Why aren't you helping me? When we forget about everything that's happening around. The doctors are also overworked. There's a huge volume of patients. There's a lot of illness, especially in the wintertime. And then emergencies get bypassed because it really shouldn't be used as a primary care facility. Is there a way, you say gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. heart attacks, you bypass everybody, right? right? Is there, a not, if you took an ambulance there? Not necessarily. Because like, I feel like if you- Right, if you, if you had a sore you, throat and called an ambulance, you'd get there, they'd see that uh, you're not dying, you get triaged, and you like would still wait. like if you come in an ambulance? Yeah. You'll get put you, in a you're room. You're paying for like, I feel like you're paying for like, get to the head <laughs> nah. of the line. Right? You'll like, probably uh, get put in a room quicker once they see that you're not sick sick, then it's everything's going to slow down. Interestingly, if you ask Aubrey about her- Wait, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, let, let me-, let me before you even get into this, you call an ambulance to the house, right? Right? Isn't like isn't that the same thing as going to the emergency room? But they come to your front door, like yeah, but like, <laughs> right, you're using resources you don't need and shouldn't use. But then once you get there, they're gonna they're not gonna continue those services. Well, you don't even, even have to go, right? If you think you got something wrong, with you, right? You call an ambulance, yeah. right? They come, yeah, and they go. It's a cold. Right. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. No, no, no. Because once that's not their job to make a diagnosis, they're going to be like, if you if you're complaining of belly pain or cough or shortness of breath, they're going to. But don't they do the the tests? They're going to do vitals. Yeah, they'll do some of the vitals. They'll do the same thing the emergency room does when they triage you. They'll do vitals and really say, is there something serious? But then if you choose not to go, you're basically signing off. It's against. You know, their job is to pick you up and take you there. And if you then say, I'm not going, that's on you. Oh, so you could, you, if you, you could decline your own ambulance? You could. Um, this is not how you should be using resources. No, I, I, no, I, no, I, no, I no. understand, I understand yeah, that. But yes. I feel like if you come to the hospital in yeah. an ambulance, <laughs> I just feel like, fuck it. You know, like, it's like I your mean, limo, it's like your limo it's service. Like, yeah, like I, paid, I, I paid extra to get to the. They're not, they don't work that way. Does your insurance charge you? Obviously, you're gonna get paid for the ambulance for, trip for an ambulance. Oh yeah, big time. But is it covered or is it an out-of-pocket expense? I, I I don't even know how the insurance fucking system works. <laughs> right. Some of it, it just depends on your insurance plan. I got no insurance. Yeah, you're gonna pay I a call, lot of I, money. I call nine one one. You're gonna pay for that. The ambulance comes. Mm-hmm. I go to the emergency room. They say, "Oh, you know what it was? It was uh, you had a." I don't know. Heartburn. Right. They send you a bill. Yeah, it's going to be thousands of dollars. That person makes eight bucks an hour. You're going to go on a payment plan for the rest of your life. Yeah, but no one's going to pay that bill. No one's going to pay the bill. They're going to buy an iPhone. Right. 
before they pay the but the that's why fee. that's why they have other types of insurance that the government gives you right Obamacare medical things like that to cover people who can't afford to pay for their own insurance couldn't you make insurance I, I, I just out of pocket like uh how much how much well, is, is it the pa- I mean that's what you're paying for you're paying your premiums monthly to get certain amount of coverage, right? So there are insurance plans where you pay a lot monthly where your insurance covers more of what you get charged for and you pay less monthly, you have to pay a larger percentage of your medical fees. Oh, but that's the, that's but all they, on a tiered system. Okay, but you go to the hospital, Yeah, your kid needs Tylenol mm-hmm. and then you get the bill, Tylenol, $34. Right. Why is it $34 You're right. when when you bought a bottle right and it should be a hundred percent it should be 98 cents for the tylenol so like why is that why is a screw for nasa cost a thousand dollars right when you can go to home depot and pay 30 cents for it in in these cases unfortunately the prices are elevated to maximize insurance reimbursement so it's it's but all. Why doesn't the insurance just pay you for the ninety eight cent Tylenol? Well, because there's overhead costs, right? You have to pay rent. You have to pay for all the people that work there. You have to pay for storage. You have to pay for all those things. So they're basically the insurance company is actually the one that deems how much, not how much you're allowed to charge, but how much you're going to get. I when you bring Seraphine in for a cold, I could charge you a million dollars, but if I'm under contract from your insurance company, your insurance company tells me, actually, your service is only worth $75. That's all they're going to pay me. What percentage of the $75 they pay versus what you pay is based on the plan that you have. So they may say, hey, you saw her for a cold and that code is worth $75. Sebastian has a deductible of $15. So you pay $15, the insurance company pays 60 and I made 75 It doesn't matter what I build. Everything else is totally made up. So why are you even sending a bill if, if they're going to give you a set amount? Because the bill is for two reasons. One, it's for the people that don't have insurance. It's what I truly feel that service is worth. So if I'm charging, I'm not charging a million dollars. I may charge $150. So I feel my service is worth 150 okay, You send that bill to the people that don't have insurance. Right. So those, right. The people who don't have insurance pay me the 150 okay. The ins- people that I'm under contract with insurance says that's only worth 75 I can only make 75 Okay. I can't balance bill, meaning I can't say, but I think it's worth 150 Insurance gave me 75 You owe me the other 75 You're not allowed to do that. That's called balance billing. You're not allowed to do that because I'm under contract to take the insurance. Why do people take insurance? The idea is to get a larger volume of patient population because there's less percentage of people who will pay people out of pocket, right? That's the whole game. And and the reason why these numbers are made up, like you have a baby born in the neonatal intensive care unit who's there for three months, patients will get bills for millions of dollars. When the insurance company isn't paying them a million, you're not paying them. It's to maximize the amount the insurance company is going to pay. So you charge whatever, $34 for Tylenol to to get the maximum amount that the insurance company is going to pay you for the Tylenol because you don't know necessarily what those numbers are. So they are there. It's, 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 it's right. It's a, it's a, it's a poor system Poor system. because we should, we should charge what things are worth. But what happened was in the seventies, everything in medicine was fee for service, right? I said, my visit's worth $150. You're going to pay me $150. 
So what happened historically is that there was a percentage of doctors, probably a very small percentage, that took advantage of the system and said, well, hey, I get to charge whatever I want, and that's the only thing that's out there, so I'm going to keep raising those rates. So then what happened was insurance companies came in and said, huh, we're going to fix that system. But then the system moved too far the other way. Now it's all the insurance-based system, and this is why you'll never see a doctor's name on a high-rise building. You'll see insurance companies. They're making tons of money off of it and move too far the way. So we have to move it back somewhere in between the insurance and the fee for service where we're charging what things are worth and the services that are provided, but we're not gouging the system. And we're also not just paying insurance companies for it. I feel there should be a bouncer at the front door at an emergency room and a line waiting to get in. And the guy's got a clipboard. Yeah. Hey, what's your problem? Um, I got a stomachache. Well, what do you mean stomachache? And then, then you go, if this is what you tell them, and this is what I want to, uh, to also happen in the legal system. If you come in mm-hmm. and if they have appendicitis or your liver busted, you're going to pay for you're going to pay for the whole fucking thing. But that's what they're and doing. Then, and then you can see how fast the stomach ache <laughs> goes away. I know. But here's the thing. <laughs> but but the thing is, that's what they're doing in triage. They're deciding who comes in and who who waits in the waiting room. And the people that are waiting in the waiting room, right, may just have a stomach bug or a virus that a doctor has to diagnose, but they're going to wait a really long time. If you ask Aubrey, what was the worst experience about being there for six hours? It wasn't the scans. It wasn't getting her blood drawn. It wasn't getting an IV. It was when she was sitting in the waiting room yeah. and the woman next to her was vomiting violently the entire time she was out there. Yeah. She was, daddy, that was so scary. I was sitting there and the woman literally, I could touch her, was vomiting nonstop. That was the scariest part of the whole experience. That's why you put in an outside courtyard where you could hang out. Or you mingle. <laughs> you mingle. <laughs> They should have it sectioned off based on, oh, you're vomiting? You go over there. Headache? Over there? Stomach ache? You stay. You can't put a vomit next to a person that's who's why you got end, that's a why cut often, on their finger. That's why we try not to send small babies to the emergency room because it, it's more likely they get sick mm-hmm. or get something worse from actually the emergency room than what they're going in for. Like when people call me with a fever, unless they're you know a certain age where they have to go, you don't want to go there if you don't need to be there. I, I agree. And I feel sorry for the people that are working there, overworked, understaffed, overwhelmed yeah. with a bunch of fucking, uh, you know, problems that probably could be solved. You know, but there's not enough. Like you said, they don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So you're there to get a lot of primary care things fixed and not true emergencies. Right. The true emergencies in the emergency room, you're right, are extremely, extremely small percentage. I want to know, has anybody ever died in the waiting room of an emergency room. I'm sure it's happened. No, not but on like, purpose. But, but like, I'm sure it's no, happened. No, but like, yeah, was, was, nah, it's, it's, it's not a gunshot room. You wait. Next thing you know, they go out and they go, Mr. Johnson, you're ready. And he's he's laid out, gone. <laughs> In your system, he's out on the football field. The system needs work. I think they, they do well, the best. Okay. It, it, what happens? Is there an alternative other than having your own medical staff mm-hmm. on 
on a payroll. Yeah. I mean, there are private emergency departments that open up where people pay out of pocket and it's more streamlined and there's lo- smaller volume. You know, I, I think with any area of business, when things start off, they tend to work really well because your volume is small, right? Anybody, no matter what it is, if the volume is small, you can handle it. But as ideas get better and businesses improve and become, you know, a better business, you get larger volume, it's harder to continue that great of a service with the larger volume. I remember when we started in practice, right? And you could get any appointment time that you wanted. People could walk in. You had unlimited time with patients. As soon as you become a popular practice, thankfully, and you get more volume and now people have to wait to be seen. Now you have to wait for an appointment. The people who remember the olden days are the ones that complain, oh, we liked it better but how do you have both? How do you have a successful business but maintain still that feeling of like you have all the time in the world? It's almost impossible. Yeah, I, I, I this goes back to you know insurance, medical care. Should you be able to get it from the government or should you pay out of pocket? Now, from my own experience, medical care. I thought I think we touched it, uh, on this in an earlier episode. I came out here, I left the United Airlines Employees Credit Union, and I left my job at the uh, restaurant, and I came out here on a COBRA plan. Now, a COBRA is is a plan of insurance used to, like a, it's like gap insurance yeah. between one it job to the other. one to the next. Right? Yeah. Well, I was on COBRA, and, and COBRA was, it was like rent COBRA. You know, that was the, that was like, I need a place to live mm-hmm. and I need medical insurance just in case I lose a leg right, or I get decapitated or what happened. You felt it was a necessity like shelter. Yeah. Not It wasn't 10th, 11th on the list right. of expenses, right. right? So you run into this whole, oh, I deserve health insurance because this is my God-given right. I should, if, if I, if I have a heart attack, someone I should be covered, right? Right, and my my response is, yeah, I I understand that. However, if you made it part of your budget and it was affordable, right, like your cell phone or anything yeah, like that, right? Why wouldn't it be the responsibility? But it would of have person? to be affor- affordable, right? I think the system ends up tearing itself, unfortunately, because I would love to believe that no matter where you go and no matter what doctor you see, you're seeing somebody who's good at their profession. But what ends up happening is if you're somebody who gets your insurance for free, there's only a certain subset of doctors that you can see. And if you pay for a more expensive insurance, like a PPO insurance, there's a certain subset of doctors that see you. If you don't want insurance and you're going to have fee for service, there's going to be a subset of doctors you see, see you. I would love to believe the doctors are all the same. Let me ask you this. If you're a doctor and you're seeing freebies, Mm -hmm. you're not that good, right? No, see, but I no, I don't think that's the case. Hold on, one second. I think it's just a different business model. Is the way the medical system is set up for doctors? Yeah. Is it similar to the NCAA? Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) NBA. Right. Have you ever worked with a doctor? In your office, and you go to them. Where'd you, where were you before this? And you're like, I was, 
I was in downtown L.A. working at the uh, city hospital, and now I woke Is there like a breeding ground not, of doctors? Not, no, not the way you they... think of it. There are a lot of doctors who do HMO care and government health care yeah. are some of the best doctors. That's what they chose as their profession. That's the population they want to see. That's what they love oh, doing. I I've never heard of that. somebody from Beverly Hills going, I'm going to go down to the unbelievable doctor it, right. at, at the, at the city think, hospital. No, I think it's... Uh, All the doctors are working at the, the, the best of the hospitals. Yeah, no. The but, best doctors, but, no? But, no, but think about the, the hospitals. Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Most of the academic children's hospitals are hospitals that see a subset of the population that are exactly what you're talking about, that are getting free insurance or government-based insurance or those type of plans. And those are some of the best doctors in the world. They're not private practice doctors. They're not going out, right, and opening a private clinic in, in Beverly Hills, but that doesn't make them any less. I'm talking if you go to a low-income area mm -hmm. and the hospital that services that low-income area, you're telling me the doctors that work at that hospital it, it are the same at the Cedar sinai it, it depends where. A lot of the major cities that you're talking about, those hospitals actually have some of the best doctors. But it's just, but you're right, access. It, really, it's it's true. Okay. I, I'll, 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 a county hospital, I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be in Westwood or Beverly Hills. We know those doctors because that's where we work, but some of the best doctors are in, in larger facilities. Okay, you would know more than I would. I would just think that that it's like a farm system yeah. to get to the better hospitals. So they put you in, and you work at this hospital yeah. until you get up to you get yeah. your experience up and then we can come no, take no, you at I, I don't know. It doesn't work like that. Right. But I think some hospitals are definitely more attractive than others, right? Work-life balance, things like that. And then, right, there are only certain doctors. It takes a lot to go into, I think, you know, Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do people, when they're going in the ambulance, they go, fuck, we got to take you to city. And then they, 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 they take you to the city, and yeah. as soon as you <laughs> you transfer out of there, right? Because you're like a hellhole. Right. It depends where the, the doctors that you need, the specialists you need are. I think a lot of that depends. <laughs> Is he being it. diplomatic? No, here? Like, no. He, I, I, I don't I, think. I, did no, you no, got no. One second. No, no, Hold no. On. Do you guys think that the city hospital, just on what you know, as like a an everyday guy walking around, if someone goes, "We're gonna take you to city," and you go, "What?" <laughs> no, we're gonna take you to city hospital, and you're like, "No, it's like Cedar Sinai open." Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. no, that's. Don't I you think get it nervous? Depends what you need. Don't you get nervous? <laughs> it's a little more nuanced than what you're saying, but I, I there are definitely good doctors and bad doctors in different places. Got it. But I think facilities, yeah, there are definitely nicer facilities, and a lot of them are the newer less volume-based facilities, right? If That's the hard thing about medicine. If you choose to be in a practice where you take, this is what insurance does to you as a doctor. If you are a HMO-based practice only, which means you, some of the reimbursement is you're getting low reimbursement. How do you run a business and get lower reimbursement? You have to make it up in volume, right? Which means my visits can't be 30 minutes an appointment. They have to drop down to 10 to 15 because the only way I can pay my overhead is see more volume. That definitely affects the medicine I'm practicing. I don't think that's good medicine running a mill. If you are a fee-for-service doctor, you can charge much more and see 
a patient an hour. Yes. Is that better care? I actually, the more time you can spend, but there, you can do an in-between. I feel like we do an in-between. We have a large volume practice, but we're able to spend time with them because we actually take more of a PPO based practice, which does reimburse more. So that allows us, why do we do that? To put it in our pocket? No, it allows us to practice medicine the way we want to practice and do the tests on, you know, like we do the vision screens and all the fun and fancy tests that help diagnose things. We want to be able to provide those to patients, which we wouldn't be able to do in a different environment. I think that's what it is. Bottom line. Yeah. Where do the doctors go that aren't good? Cedar Sinai. <laughs> <laughs> like, what makes a good doctor? Yeah. I, I think every every specialty you're also studying the same thing. I know. I know. You come out. One guy, what does he leave? A, uh, does he do open heart surgery and leave no. something in there but, and shows but, it up and go fuck? No, I forgot but, the fork. I, I think training and experience have a lot to do with it. So I think that's true, right? Like going to certain schools versus other schools and the length of training, the people who you're surrounded by, the institutions that, I mean, it's so multifactorial. And I think every specialty has certain people, but you're right. If your daughter is getting heart surgery, right? What are you going to do? You're going to start asking around who is the top heart surgeon for pediatrics in the world. And they're going to only give you three names. One of them happens to be at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, a Dr. Starnes, right? That he does cardiothoracic surgery. You're going to want to go to that person with that reputation. I agree with you. Now, could any pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon do it? Absolutely. But you as the parent are going to pick the person with the, the most experience, the most number of cases, the most, the most, the most, the most. Okay. You bring up the Children's Hospital. That's privately funded, right? That's, that's, that's like a... Is it, each, no. each, where are they getting the money to operate? Donations, donations, and, but government also too, and insurance, all those things. Okay, it's the, a combination, the city but it's has not purely private. No, not at all. Well, it's that it, it's more donations than say a city hospital, which is funded primarily. But I guess by they what? get more donations than something like that. Yes, like a, like like how a, much that subsidizes? I don't know. A city hospital is financed by the, by what? Probably the government. The government. Right. Okay. And right, the funds. And right Cedar there, Sinai is, is not? I'm sure they're getting something from that. I think they're getting, there's lots of different revenue sources, but you're right. Some of those hospitals are getting more, you know, it's it's like the public schools that the parents donate more yeah. to, right? They're able to provide more than a public school that's only getting funds from the government because they don't have the funds to pay for teachers and supplies and things like that. Okay. So I think the same works for hospitals. I think you're exactly right. Okay, so so if you're that's able a good... to subsidize- now I can make this right. a little bit more clear in my head. It's like schools. So not to say that the public school system does not have great teachers because they do. Exactly. They just happen to be working resources. in areas that don't have what enough resources. resources. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's a good analogy. All right. Wow. Heated discussion that here was, today. That's great. You know, that's like an important episode, I think. A lot of people have questions about the medical, the business side of it. Like what, yeah. What's actually going on with who's getting money from what, and the fact that there's like eleven things happening at the same time is really tricky for people. Yeah. People are really concerned about slang. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> how, I don't know how we moved in from uh, something off that table from yeet, yeet. to. <laughs> Um, so there you have it today. I uh, hope you enjoyed our discussion here on hospitals, insurance, and the like, and uh, slang terms. 
We will be back next week uh, talking about more fun things about pediatrics, the medical world, and our families. The opinions expressed in this program are not intended as professional medical advice, as a diagnosis, as a treatment protocol, or as a substitute for professional medical advice from your physician. Please consider your own medical history and consult with your own physician for your specific health care and or medical needs and about your concerns for yourself and your family.